Hello and welcome back to the Big Scooper podcast. Hello. Hello, Gemma. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm right. Not too bad. Thank you very much. And yourself? Yeah, I'm good. Good, good. So, episode 21? Yep. Yeah. And who we got back for this one? Christina Zanato in the Bahamas. Brilliant. And uh, it's really good that we have Christina back for another episode and to talk about diving. And, uh, you know, we, we chatted about sharks and we chatted about uh, caving. So a bit, bit more of a, a general chat about scuba diving, the, the subject that we like to talk about. Eh? So before we get cracking, should we say hello to some friends and partners, our lovely patrons? We've got plenty of people um, to say hello to. We have, yeah. So it's a good job we've got a bit of a list here. Let's say hello to our patrons first. Now, if you're not a patron yet, why not? Let's go to the Patreon website uh, where you can be a octopus, dolphin, orca, blue whale. Blue whale. So you've got you've got a choice there of all different levels that you can be and take part. Um, some people have already. Uh, so hello to you guys. Thank you very much. It does help a little bit to cover some of the costs that we we have in making all these things possible. Because uh, even though it's all online, there's still costs with these things. So, um, you know, we could always do some more. That'd be really, really great. Even a great way of getting involved. Get involved, support your favourite podcast. So, uh, so just go to www.patreon forward slash the big scuba. Excellent. So you heard it there. Let's say hello to our partners. Hello to Blue O2, Reef World, Fourth Element, Mares SSI, and our good friends in Depth Therapy. And mm-hmm. also talk about hello to Depth Therapy because they got a really great uh, grant. Yeah, ten thousand pounds from the National Lottery Fund. A really great cause. If uh, if anyone's out there listening and thinking. What's depth therapy? What's all that about? You know, they do brilliant work. Um, please, they, you know, they need support. They do wonderful things. And we get them in the water. We get them in the water and they start to think about other things and chill out and learn to die, you know, start to recuperate. So, And we'll have an um, episode coming up uh, in the next few weeks that we'll be chatting to depth therapy. Yeah, um, their leader, Richard Cullen. Uh, lovely guy and we had a lovely time talking to them didn't we you know um so yeah look out for good and google depth therapy and uh, look at the marvelous things uh, that they do and they are a name you'll be hearing more and more of you know as we uh, continue to build and do these episodes so uh, that'd be really great so hello to blue o2 reef world fourth element maris uh bang okay um now we've been really blessed with the bands that we've had you know uh let's name them telling truths blood like honey marigolds and lumen you know um so hello to you guys and i know they're not really recording at the moment because of the lockdown situation you know although we're now coming out of it which is really great but there's still restrictions on singing can you believe it you know we're getting Um, together i know what we were after is you know would be great to add to that collection you know we could take the easy route and just pour music from these sites the free music Uh, however it'd be great we can build up a bigger group of bands who we can help uh share their music their stuff and we always credit back uh credit for the music um although generally you're not too bad on the symbols aren't you symbols yeah I've played saxophone, piano. The triangle. Yeah, there yeah. We go. I'm just like out there. So. Do we, so we could do it. We could do it. Maybe. Castanet. But anyway, so it'd be really great if, you, if you're in a band, if you're in a local band, uh, if you're an independent band, uh, you're just looking for somewhere new to get into a new audience. Give us a try. Cost you nothing. Uh, send us a couple of your songs we'll use them on our youtube channel we'll use them when we interview so um, you know it's to add to it's not to replace our bands it's to add to and it's sort of giving something back can we say that i think yeah it's a voice it's it's a way to yeah expose yourself on as a band (laughs) i think you're talking about something completely I'm, I wasn't talking about exposing myself. 
there's rules and regulations <laughs> it's, it's for these <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there'll be uh, divers who write in will be quite interested in new exposures. <laughs> anyway, let's move on swiftly. So we're building all the time, building all the time. Uh, okay, let's also talk about our YouTube channel as we talk about building. If you look up our YouTube channel, we're getting more subscribers every day, which is really great. Thank you to everybody who has subscribed so far. That's really great. But we can't stop there. We, you know, we, the next target is 400. You know, from bottom of our hearts, we, we do say thank you very much for everybody who has took the time to subscribe. So uh, thank you very much. Please do carry on um, and we'll carry on doing what we're doing. So yep. thank you very much. And lastly, little big chat. So we had uh, know, how many people come on in June uh, for our second little big chats? And we've now got another full day ahead, brilliant, uh, of little big chats ahead on the 17th. There is a couple of slots left, isn't there, Gemma? There is in the morning, yeah. So if you do want, if, you, if, you, if you're involved in something scuba-related, marine-related, maybe you're, uh, I don't know, maybe you've got some marine project that you're about to launch or, you know, you've now got the funding but you want to shout about it, you know, let us know. Book a slot with us, and we'll we'll do it and we'll share. Um, or you, I don't know, maybe you've got a new boat coming out, a new dive boat or something like that. Who knows? Just you know, you come on. It's forty minutes. Talk about yourself. Talk about whatever you got to share with us, and we'll share. All we ask is that you share back when we put out. Sell okay. yourself. Sell yourself, yeah, exactly. Free advertising, 40 minutes to free advertising. So, so well, it's not bad, that's really great. I think, Gemma, that is it for me. I think we've covered everything, haven't we? Yeah, I think we've, yeah, ticked yeah. everything off the list. So, let's go back. Let's go back in time, as the song we used to say. Let's go back, <laughs> way back in time, to the early days of when we started this podcast. January, and February. Before those days of being in the lockdown and, and all that, and you started your scuba journey. I'd started my really... open water journey, yes. Exactly. And remember, let's have a quick reminder to our listener that um, this podcast is about your journey. It's about, you know, getting more women divers, about encouraging more women divers, it's about encouraging people as a whole to get back into diving, mm-hmm. uh, or even just try it for the first go you know we hopefully will play or can play a small part in people thinking hang on a minute let's try diving let's give it a go you can go to your local dive center and have a try and Gemma did this back in January January yeah yeah and uh, you started your your journey your diving journey with us and you started you started with a try dive. You started from then getting into signed up. getting signed up, and you had your manual. So we're now thankfully past the lockdown. We're hopefully, you know, we we, we won't be going down that road again. And we're now looking f- forward to you getting back. So let's get into your jar, your diving journey. So where are, where are we? What's happening? I've done my dry suit. I've done all the confined water uh, exercises in the pool. That was before lockdown. And then just this last weekend, I've done my dry suit orientation in confined open water. So first time in a dry suit. And what does that mean? So wearing a dry suit, knowing how to uh, put the air into it, work out the buoyancy, do a few exercises. Um, If you've got air in your feet to do how to put yeah. air in, how to dump the air. From how, how do you feel about doing that? Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, I think um, the, I've done a bit of snorkelling in the river while we've been in lockdown, so that's helped um, keep my head into the water kind of environment. But yeah, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too cumbersome. I thought it might be, but it wasn't that bad. Too. Yeah, that's all right, wasn't it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and it was a chance to get in the water, get the tanks on, regulator in. And, and how did you feel putting that? You know, uh, for the first time, really, I suppose, with the dry suit, with the weight and all that. How did that feel? It was quite a warm day. And when you put the dry suit on, you feel quite warm. 
until yeah. you get in the water. Yeah, it's just the initial weight of everything on the back. And but as soon as you're in the water, it's irrelevant. You just don't yeah. really put it on. But yeah, no, yeah. I thought you yeah, took to it really well. To be honest. Mm, thank you. That's right. No worries. You know, but you did though, didn't you? You done the skills. You know, um, you, if you had any questions, they were dealt with, and um, you know, it was it was all right. Went, I thought it went really well. So yeah, uh, we had a little good. swim around after we'd done the sort of orientation of everything and yeah saw a few fish and yeah saw so, golf balls yeah i didn't see well, those but yeah <laughs> serious so, how many golf balls were i down yeah and then getting out and it's getting used to getting the dry suit on and getting the, all the lubrication on the cuffs and getting it over your head that's all quite a new experience lubrication is definitely important yeah but yeah it was okay so yeah so next stage is open water qualification dives it is yeah so what's what's the plan with that well i'm gonna go up to gildenberg and yeah get that sorted in the next week or so yeah yeah so that'd be good wouldn't it? so finally finally be you have made it to be a an open water diver yes woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> finally this took us been a while and so you've had to sit there listening to all these people who we spoke to and we're you know, let's face it, we spoke to some absolutely awesome uh, guests and unbelievable people. Yeah. And for you, I think, you know, you can now actually see and witness it all, you know, what diving is all about at last. It has made a big difference, I think, because if I'd not spoken to all these people, their enthusiasm and inspiration would never have kind of filtered through to me. So yeah, yeah. I'm thankful to all our guests that we've had. Yeah. And I'll tell you one thing as well, actually, looking from the outside in um, about you diving, is I would recommend um, for people who are thinking about it and maybe a bit nervous about diving, maybe try snorkeling. Try mm. snorkeling first, you know, because it, you're kind of a big step into the way of diving by just snorkeling. Yeah, and it made a big difference to me in the river, getting your fins on, your mask, your snorkel, face in the water hood on as well that was a big thing yeah. never had a hood on so so that was not even a new experience put your hood on with a dry seat no our waters here are chilly aren't they you know um yeah. and if we go back to when we were allowed to actually go out and do a snorkel so when was that may yeah um you know it, the waters in the river are still it was a chilly it was long, ten, ten long yeah it was a long wet suit definitely and it was a bit like whew, when it went down your back but yeah, you know, so it does. I think snorkeling is a really good way of getting you getting into diving when you are at your level, you know, um, as a non-diver. So I think that was good. I think that was yeah. worthwhile that we've done that. And you were a great dive master as well for the weekend. That's all right. I'll, I'll send you the details where you can send the check. <laughs> no, you feel very calm and collected. Yeah, brilliant. Okay then, well that's really good and uh, we'll, we can update everybody uh, on the next episode of how you got on with your open water certification. Yeah. Alright, so uh, brilliant. Okay, well well done and um, hope that all go well, I'm sure it will. We've got the best dive, dive master with you. So. I have. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say that, really. Anyway, let's move on swiftly. So. Let's get into what's coming up. We have got Christina coming coming up, and uh, she's going to be talking about our favourite subject, scuba dive. Scuba dive. Scuba dive. So stick around and hear what she's got to say. Yeah, we've just come out of the caves, and we're just going to go back into scuba diving. That'll do. See you soon. <laughs> So, we've gone from cave diving a little bit. And so, it's uh, so what if a a total non-diver comes up to you and says, "Think about giving diving a go." What would you say? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I would say make sure that you have a clear bill of health. So, depending on the age and the situation, there's always a medical that we give to the diver or to the diver to check. And if they have a yes, it's not a contraindication. It's just it's a, a recommendation to go to the doctor and say, hey, doctor, I want to pick up scuba diving, but you know I have these conditions, may or may not. And you'll be surprised how 
many people, even with health conditions, can still, uh, you know, carefully scuba dive. So that will be my first suggestion. Just make sure you have, you know, good uh, health. Do not lie on that medical, and then give it a go, uh, depending where you are. But uh, it doesn't have to be in a clear, warm environment. You can just try in your local store in the winter time, maybe in the pool. That mm -hmm. is uh, good enough to know if you like it or not, and then transfer to the summer. Maybe try a little, you know, uh, in your area. It doesn't have to be absolutely exotic. Now, fitness is so important with diving, isn't it? You know, it helps so much with the air consumption and just even just lugging your gear about and stuff, as you've proven, you know, and things like that. And it always, I always find it quite surprising that when you do something we evaluate of somebody who hasn't dived for maybe several years and they're looking to do a dive and they come into the pool and you run a training scheme for them to see how they are with kitting up and the basic skills again so you can sign them back into the water you're not actually part of that is to check their fitness so they can they'll know and we can say yeah they know how to put their kit together they can put you know they can do the basic out of air scenarios and things like that but can they actually swim 200 meters the the bit the minimum 200 meters that you have to do as part of your patio open water can they still do that and you're not actually testing them on that and i think no you're not you're, i think more than that would be important is actually to make sure that their medical hasn't changed yeah is one of I have come into contact is people haven't been diving for so many years and because the certification card does not expire they'll show up and say oh I was certified 10 years ago and um, you know what did you have an open heart surgery in between the last dive and now so yes you need a medical so personally I still ask for a, a medical as soon as someone needs to come in even if even if they're certified the fitness level depends because remember uh, Scuba diving has become open to uh, people with uh, that before were considered disabled. So we're actually be able to include people that maybe on land do not function in the same concept that we will think. It's just a matter of adapting to their to their skills, right? But yes, it's not about how fast you swim is, but can you do it without uh, becoming winded, without panicking, without having a shortness of breath? So is um, it is something that maybe divers should also think for themselves. You haven't been diving in 10 years, and I went from being, you know, 48 to be 58, and in between I've been diagnosed with high blood pressure and diabetes. Maybe I should go to the doctor. Maybe as an instructor, I should also say, you need to go to the doctor. It is. And um, I've seen it loads of times now where I've been at our local uh, dive site training with the local uh, dive centre, and just being an observer, doing short cover, stuff like that. And just seeing some, and it seems to be um, guys, usually men, generally, men I'd say 35 years upwards, 40 years upwards. And they've got the twin sets on, which are really heavy. And you before that, you see them smoking or something like that on site and, and what have you. And you see them get in the water, do the dive, and they come out, and their faces are absolutely nearly scarlet. And they're trying to, and I've sat there, and I've offered them help. And like, no, no, I'm fine. You think, okay, you really look like you're struggling to get now out of the water with you've got the great big twin set and stuff like that on. That's, you know, fitness and stuff like that is just, you've got to do to work on that as well, I think. I, I, I think so. I mean, we don't want to go back to the times in which you had to run around with your tank and do push-ups, you know, military style. <laughs> no. um, divers should have a little bit of self-consciousness. Yeah. Uh, there is also other ways that people can go around that. If uh, picking up the doubles is not just a matter of fact that you can't do it because you're so heavy, maybe... Um, I remember people with back problems or shoulder problems moving to the side mount because they can carry one tank at a time to the water yeah. and become kitted up into the water. So adaptability. Um, the, the fact that you say they're primarily men, or maybe we go back to another concept, and is the concept that um, it's very hard on them as men to be allowed actually to admit uh, sometimes weakness or to admit that they needed to change something they don't allow themselves to do that but in a certain way unfortunately even the society a little bit i think doesn't allow them 
um, yeah. to do that. So maybe as a diving community, we're a little bit more uh, forgiving and, you know, like actually educating about these issues without um, embarrassing someone or making them feel less off. Um, it will actually expand the capabilities of people of joining. Now, there's differences. If you want to be a certain kind of diver that goes a certain distance or like a cave diver, we were talk- I was listening to uh, certain things that we were talking the other day, is that you need to put in consideration those things. Because if, you need, if you're swimming 4,000 feet in, because this is a cave that doesn't allow scootering, like Ben's cave, you can scooter. You have to swim. I've swam the entire length of that cave so many times. You can only swim. Okay? So if you know you're going to do a four-hour swim, two hours in, doing all your work, and two hours out, you have to have certain parameters. I'm yeah. sorry, there's no way around that. But in general, as a recreational diver, I'm pretty sure you can actually adapt a little bit and help yeah. out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, the busy fitness, I think, smoking, for me, if you ask me, I'm a daughter of a chain smoker who suffocated my entire childhood and teen time. Uh, when people meet me, think I'm an ex-smoker. I never put a cigarette in my mouth, uh, but I hate, I sorry, I used to, that word, but I d- despise smoking with a vengeance. It just really triggers some yeah. re- really negative reaction. It's so unhealthy. It caused my dad to have a heart attack, and it caused my dad 25 years later to die of a you know heart failure yeah, because that... it was beat by his smoking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, here's a question for you. Okay. So, what what would you say to your to your 20 year old self? You just stepped off the plane for the very first time in Bahamas. What's the one piece of advice you'd give yourself? That's a tough one. Do you, I'll, I'll bank that with you for the time being, okay? So we'll come back to that, okay, while, you, while you're thinking of, of it. Um, where's, where else have you travelled uh, for your dive? Where's probably the furthest? So you, you've done Bahamas. I've been... Done Europe, done UK? Uh, I, yes, in the UK I did a Wookiee Hall. Yeah. I was actually uh, a privileged to be invited to dive Wookiee Hall, can only be done on a guided invitation system and uh, it was pretty amazing because then the next day uh, with the same person Michael Thomas I was actually able to go uh, dry caving quote-unquote dry caving because obviously it was like a river runs through it but actually uh, explore the uh, uh, basically the spring of that when we'll fill Wookiee Hall later um, I haven't done many trips. Like I said, I tended to invest my time and money into going to places where there was something that I could learn quite a lot. So, for example, I spent years and a lot of money and time going over to Abaco to uh, dive those caves and explore those caves and understand those caves. Um, the furthest, I would say, uh, for sharks have been South Africa and Fiji. South Africa and Fiji would be my two ones. Um, I visited, again, for sharks, I visited Mexico, uh, Rhode Island, quite a lot around the Bahamas. We have some of the best shark population and shark dives in the world, so don't need to go too far. I've got a feeling I know the answer to this. So where would be your favorite? My favorite destination? Yeah, favorite place to dive. Well, the Bahamas, because they have both the sharks and the caves and everything else, from an experience point of view, if I could go back, I would love to go back to the Nalabor Desert in Australia. It's in the huh? center of Australia, two days drive from wherever point you want to go to. And under the one of the most amazing skies I ever experienced in my life, I've been about two weeks with the uh, team cars that they are, which are the original explorers of this cave system, and is a mix of dry caving and cave diving and uh, camping out in absolute wilderness, uh, super organized and absolutely phenomenal hosts. So if I could go back to relive an experience, I, I would just do that in a heartbeat. I haven't heard of them. We'll have to look them up. Perhaps we can put that on the um, social media. The those in Australia. Yes, the group was called the Wet Mules. Um, it didn't take long to realize why they're called that. <laughs> the mule all their gear through all these passages and all of that to reach the escapes. It is a full-blown expedition. I was uh, invited by uh, 
several, the uh, Craig Challen, Dr. Richard Harris, the two of the people involved in the, also in the rescue in the Thailand, primary people. Yeah. And then um, uh, Dr. Ken Smith was actually my personal host. It was uh, phenomenal in the way they welcomed us and prepared everything for us and attended to us. We were three invited with Brian Kakuk, Ben Raymonds, and myself. Uh, some other cave divers could not make it uh, for many reasons. And we just had the red carpet treatment. But the experience was just absolutely phenomenal, seeing how they organize it, how they do it, their exploration work. Yeah. An experience that I will relive in everything, not just in the diving itself, but just the being out there in the desert under those skies, listening to their stories and experiences. Brilliant. Sounds great. Yeah, really sounds good. So have you had a sort of an exceptional favourite moment in your entire diving career so far? That something that really stands out? I have quite a quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> there are like either small moments or big moments, but uh, I would say and um, one of the when people ask me, there's two out in the open ocean. One is when I witnessed the birth of octopus. I was watching this octopus uh, holding onto our eggs for weeks on end, and I kept going there while I was guiding the dives and peeking in, trying not to disturb it. And then if you think about the magnitude of the timing, it was on a specific night dive while I was guiding a group on a specific night, I decided to go and check on her and in that moment she was blowing all our hatchlings out so as i approached the coral head there was like this blurry felt like i was like in this jellyfish just like what is all this stuff and i realized they're like baby octopi but think about like in a 24-hour day on seven days a week trying you know like i could have never imagined but i was there for their birth that was many many years back 2000 or 1999 and then the other one was um the first time a shark uh later ahead in my lap and that repeats itself every time but it is a specific unique moment no matter how many times you experience what the shark comes in and takes a while and then when she relaxes you can feel like that abandonment that weight into your lap and then you start feeling her uh, moving her jaw she pumps water through her gills from a cave diving point of view um, one of my favorite moments is when i was able to connect uh, the land cave with the ocean blue hole and basically swim between one and the other in that in that one dive in that one day. So I came in from the ocean, found the exit, came out, called my friend. He took some pictures and then swam back out. And the next one is when I was able to connect the uh, cave systems of Sweeningski. Rob Palmer had done some exploration there, and so quite a few explorers had gone after him. And I was able to connect the Gemini cave with the Aquarius cave through like an intricate way. And it was really interesting because I tried about four or five times from the Gemini area. And then I actually connected. I went to the Aquarius cave, which I never dived before. Mm-hmm. And I went in and I dived so much into the Gemini area that I looked where this line was going. I was like, well, why the line is going there? It shouldn't go there. And I remember I looked up to my right and I saw the shaft. And I up the shaft, down the shaft. And then the next thing I know, I'm connected with Gemini in just one dive. Yeah, that must be in a real accomplishment just to do that in one dive. Yeah, with that. Yeah. Um, have you had a really funny moment under the wall or a blip like forgetting to put your mask on? A blimp like what? Took my mask off? No, it's forgetting to put your mask on when you jumped in the water or has it been like an outstandingly funny moment that kind of sits in your mind through your diving career? Well, I, I remember... I cannot point out, I know sometimes when we're down there with the sharks, uh, something happens or a shark does something and I start chuckling just either how the person in front of me reactions or what the sharks are doing, um, just in their behavior. I honestly can't remember one specifically, but I've done it before where I will be fully kitted up, mask, gear on, and maybe I'm helping um, so many years back, but let's say we're two groups. So the first, the, the dive guide goes in and the first group jumps in and I'm the dive guide number two. So I'm already queued up and I'm helping the group number one going in and I'm helping, helping them. And then it's my turn to jump in. But because I've been helping them with the mask and the gear on, I've done it before when I jump in without the fins. And only when my foot hits the water, I feel yep. like, ah, oh, the fins. So I was like, can I please have my fins before my group comes in? I've done that uh, once or twice before. 
just because I've been walking around the deck with my entire gear and the mask, I've got help in the first group, but I'm already almost ready for my second group. Um, but most of it is usually as time is things that happen while you're sharing experiences with someone else. And so you're down there and you chuckle about um, some of the um, bleeps that can go on or something that you witness, a shark behavior or a fish behavior, a turtle behavior, all of that. It's so nice hearing you uh, say that you're forgetting your fins. Somebody for your, at your experience and they were diving, because I'm quite well known for uh, when I'm uh, helping the dive center, forgetting things like forgetting to do my dry suit up. Um, done that once. <laughs> once. Got an award for that actually last year. Uh, funny enough. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, other little things as well. So it's nice to know I'm not alone on that. It, so. it happens. And I, I, it's been a long time since I forgot my fins, but it, it does happen. And like your dry suit, you're done at once. It's not something that. Um, because the first time you go in, and even if you just left, you know, like half an inch open, once especially the British water goes in, I guarantee you won't forget it again. Yeah, because you concentrate on everybody else, aren't you? You're getting them all geared up and make sure they're all ready. You kind of just chuck your stuff on because you've got to be at the pool with them and well, the, uh, the key side with them to make sure they're all right. And then, and I've, I've caught an instructor as well um, who was about to jump in and he'd left his dry suit open as well and i just caught him just about before he's about to to do his uh, giant stride well so, at the end of the day we're humans so yeah. it's just just normal to make small mistakes the important things is once we do those ones then we learn from from that and try not to do it again um sometimes for me i notice you know something like that happens more like in a in a simple dive like that where if you know i'm about to go on a breather cave dive i there's a different protocol, and so it's uh, dependent on all of that. But yeah. as long as we learn from them, I think there's not like. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Oh, that's good. Um, so we've covered diving in the UK. Um, in terms of kind of current projects when we're out of the corona situation, are you sort of have you got plans to make any more TV documentaries or have you got any major plans going forward afterwards? Or is it much the same as it was before we all got locked down? We, well, I was already in talks for certain TV programs and documentaries. To be honest with you, I received quite a lot of requests. Uh, Mm. Between the request and the realizations, then about uh, 99% fall through, and that's part of the business. And being this, um, I try not to rely on those as my future. If they happen and I have the conversation, good. If they don't happen and I don't have the conversation, uh, that's part of the selection, natural selection in this world. So I try to keep busy with my project. And even during the shutdown, I am still able to go cave diving. And in a certain way, thanks to the fact that I have all this time of being able to complete quite a lot of the uh, survey of the cave, water sampling, um, interactive map. And now also the next step I want to do, I'm still far from it, is collecting you know, beauty shots, beauty pictures. So far we've yeah. been doing quite a lot of the system. that. So that is in the project. I was working on a shark's photogrammetry which is measuring sharks with lasers. I do have sharks with lasers, but uh, they, obviously right now I can't go out, so I hope to resume that as soon as the COVID is up and being able to gather better identification pictures with my camera. Um, how does that work? So you got, you, I presume you don't do anything with the sharks, that you just set that up and that'll capture the shark as it passes, capture, what I mean is capture, it measures the shark as it passes by, does it? To, no, so the system I was given by Dr. Mickey McCombkabza is a two laser pointers, underwater laser pointers that you calibrate at about 25 centimeters. You measure that on the wall, you set up your laser, you're basically connected. It's made of PVC pipes, very much homemade. And then you can use a GoPro 4 or a GoPro 5 simply because those are the ones that she calibrated the measuring distance with the distortions of the lens. So I have like a mathematical chart that you can use. You then go diving and what you do is you turn the two little uh, green lasers on and you, as the shark swims by you have to make sure that the shark is in the entire frame of the camera. So from the tip of the head to the tip of the tail. and 
mostly horizontal, so try not to take a shark that is turning sharp and doing a curve. And then you line up the two green dots and take, you know, you try to take 15, 20, 30 seconds, like you can follow the shark and line up the two dots on the side of the shark. And once you come home, you take a screenshot in which the shark is the most flat. And you do the measuring with the two green dots, and you can measure from the head to the tip of the tail or to the fork, and you have a total length. And then you put it in a chart, and then you can go and measure them, especially if you have younger sharks that just showed up on the dive, measure them two months later, four months later, and six months later, and see what the growth is. Yeah. Uh, so I was doing uh, quite a lot of that, and then combining that with identification images of the shark. So you use my camera and taking pictures, high def pictures of the shark. Uh, maybe to have a scar on the side of the eye, or maybe one of the things is slightly bent. Or you call one stumpy. I call one stumpy because she was missing a little piece of her tail, and when the tail grew back, it kind of like grew a little bit crooked with a like black dot on it, and looks like a little stump. I being told I'm not allowed to name children of my friends because most of my sharks are called crook, hook, stumpy. Yeah. You could call it Nemo after the Nemo in the film. He had, he had one fin, or one uh, lucky fin, as it was called in the I'll film. Find, I'll find a lucky fin to call her that, maybe. That's a good idea. I might take that one up. We have a few sharks that we haven't named yet. And the reason why we don't name them is we about six months of country. You should call one, uh, call one Gemma. The reason why the sharks don't have usually women's name, I only have a couple that have women's name, is because uh, it's very hard for someone for me to say, oh, that shark is Gemma. It's like, oh, good, thank you, but how do I recognize Gemma? So it's easier to say, well, that's Hook, because her dorsal fin has a little bit of a tweak that makes her look like she has a hook at the bottom of the dorsal fin. Mm. And that's stumpy because uh, part of her tail is... So it's just easier for a diver because I want divers to connect to the shark. So I only have two sharks that have um, female names. One is Liz. She has like a giant black dot right on the top of her nose. Like Liz Taylor uses the beautiful mole. Yeah. So her name is Liz. And the other one is Steph. And Steph yes. is Steph. From Stephanie was dedicated to Stephanie Arnie, who is the host of Wild Kingdom, Mutual of Ohama, and Omaha and Ohama. And uh, I wanted to name it after her because that shark showed up on her dive and never left since. So. Really? Oh, okay, it's so a nice, nice one. Brilliant. You, um, so we, we touched on wreck. We touched on wrecks and sharks. Mention anything about wrecks? Do you have you dived wrecks? Do you, they don't interest you? Um, I've dived. A recreational wreck. So a couple of wrecks here done at 100 feet. I went in at the technical level. I've done wrecks at St. Lawrence River, which I found very, very fascinating. I am not set on, if I had to pick between a cave trip and a wreck trip, the cave trip will win. Yeah. Hands down. If somebody says, you would you like to repeat the Nullarbor Desert or would you like to go on a brand new wreck trip, for example, in the Truck Lagoon, the Nullarbor Desert will still win if we're going on that level of trip. Yeah. Um, I've had some wrecks in mind that I wanted to see. I always thought I would like to see the Empress of Ireland, which is yeah. at the uh, estuary of the St. Lawrence River. And I have uh, a thought about, I would love to dive Scapa Flow. Yeah, me too. Different, but not the wreck like just to dive the artificial wreck it's not no it's not on my top list no. sorry that's right that's fair enough if um somebody was coming to bahamas for the first time is there a particular wreck you would recommend if they're coming to bahamas for the first time say on holiday or something like that is there yes. a wreck you'd recommend well, wrecks you have to remember that hot water is not very conducive to wrecks right. the warmer the water the more they dissolve and demolish and then if you put in a couple of five hurricane force of five storms they also crashed and moved them and crumpled them i mean literally there's a wreck that was uh absolutely torqued like a pretzel in 2004 by hurricane francis and matthew grabbed the entire part of the stern and did a 180 it didn't move it so there's the bow with the cargo which is completely contorted which creates actually more environment for the fish and it had the stern was cracked and only a few feet away well, Matthew didn't move it, but spun it 180 degrees. 
And when I got there, I'm like, wait a minute, the plaque is on the other side of the wreck. But so there's a, where I am, there's one that's called Theo's wreck. Okay. He used to be an old cement freighter that's been crashed by Matthew, but it's still very interesting. It's in 30 meters of water. And then the Sea Star wreck for me has uh, uh, way more appeal. It's between 28 meters and 20 meters. It's all broken up by the different so sorts. It's very recreational divers. has quite a lot uh, of life on it. It has a sentimental value for me. Uh, the project was initiated by my best friend, Kathy O'Brien, in 1999, uh, 2000, 1999, 2000, she, sorry, 2000, she passed away in a car accident on November 25, 2001. And so another diving instructor, Ian Woodcock, and myself continued the project and sunk it in our memory. So for me, it's a, mm. very much a valuable wreck for that. Yeah. Um, we've already mentioned fitness, but you yourself, how do you maintain your fitness for diving and getting through these small kind of caves? The diving itself for me is fitness, just mm-hmm. uh, some of the hiking I have to do for reach day caves and all of that. But on the side, I do run yeah, and I do uh, yoga. And then um, I've been alternating a little bit lately, especially since the lockdown. I've been doing some UFC you know, uh, training just to spike it up a little bit. Um, it, uh, those are the things I do. And then swimming when, yeah. when the water is mm-hmm. under swimming. But primarily you'll see running, doing yoga or like a, a body weight training, if I, if I can call it that. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just, yeah, definitely important and helps. Yeah. Um, so diving is considered quite a male-dominated sport uh, or hobby. So how does it feel to be a very successful female in that kind of world? Um, well, I never, I never looked at it as being... A female, I always looked at it as being a diver. Um, and I don't go around thinking, oh, I'm a female diver. <laughs> I only, to be honest with you, I see that in people's eyes when they look at me or when they say things. But as, as, a, as, as a person, I never really realized that. I always thought, well, I'm going to do this because this is what I want to do. It feels good at times. Um, it has some positive results, but also had some... Uh, negative results and it's just a mix but I think that is for everyone and, and everything I hope to inspire that is what uh, makes me feel if it's a feel good is I hope to inspire people to want to do this and to realize that um, it is open for uh, both genders non-gender exclusive um, but I think as women we also need to do ourselves a favor and not make it gender in that terms yeah, um, yeah it's part of the well, message behind the podcast is we want to encourage more people to dive and particularly, you know, more girls, women, you know, just to get into trying it and giving it a go because sometimes, yeah, there's probably a bit of nervous that I don't know whether I, I want to try that, but it's, yeah, just to say, try it. Don't listen to that, right? Uh, you don't, don't listen to them telling you what you can't do because you're a woman or what you shouldn't do because you're a woman or what you is not your place thing like that it is uh, we might have to be more cautious about certain things but that's what i'm saying don't go in thinking oh because i'm a woman i have this this no go in and say well i am a person and i need to learn all of this because the scuba diving world requires that yeah um, don't just think about you know and, and don't listen to certain people i was fortunate enough i had some some of my mentors never looked at agenda um and they looked at performance, and maybe that was my luck. Uh, one of them was Ben. Ben never looked at gender. He never cared about who was doing what based on the gender, based on the performance. The other one was my instructor, one of my first instructor trainers, was Butch Hendrick. He was tough. He was tough if you're a woman, if you're a guy. He didn't care. But if you passed, and you passed, it didn't matter if you were a woman or a guy, then he was very proud of you. Mm. And, and that was maybe an advantage that maybe other people don't have. But I never took his toughness to be to his woman. I took his toughness to him because he was tough. That was just his this bit created, I think, what actually is required for the diving. Yeah, that's good. Um, so sharks obviously are considered scary by some people, and obviously you go into quite dark caves. Is there anything that scares you outside of all that? You know, like spiders or... Um, my biggest fear is conformity. It's always been my biggest fear through the years. Is have to conform the uh, descriptions of what people expect me, yeah. or what people expect me to do. 
or being limited by exactly what has been for many women, our gender or our position. Um, one of the biggest questions I received, thankfully now I don't receive it anymore because I'm 48, so I'm over the hump and I don't have to listen to them anymore. But I used to be asked, you know, when are you going to settle down? And I used to look at my situation of, you know, being 15, 18, 19, 10 years, you name it, on this island, right, doing the same job uh, for, you know, like it, working with the same environment, owning my own apartment and having a car and thinking, how much more settled do you want me? <laughs> their mind, their question was not, but seriously, I haven't changed job in 26 years. I haven't changed so. island in 26 years and I haven't changed location because I bought my apartment from 16 years ago. But yet people keep asking, when are you going to settle down? And in their mind, what they were asking is, when are you going to get married and have kids? Because, you know, you're a woman, that's what you're supposed to do. That is the number one thing that scares is that having to fit in the box instead of being allowed to overflow the box. Not fit in the box. I don't fit in the box. I, I don't fit in many ways, in positive and negative ways, but I don't fit. From a physical point of view, my number one fear are lightning. I've been hit very close by one while I was driving the boat and to this day it causes very much a fearful reaction. People that have been with me on a boat or in a cave, they know that the lightning will shut down my response mechanism and put me in an absolutely uh, fright syndrome. It's something I've been working on for a very long time but unfortunately it is uh, caused by posturing stress disorder. When I see a flash, yeah. my heart rate and my breathing goes up. It doesn't matter how far Plus, it's an element you've got very little control on, really, isn't it? They paint out of clear sky, so it's just, uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's, that's my number one. There's a really good clip for um, the last couple of days, actually, and I uh, don't know where it is. I think it might be somewhere South America, perhaps, um, where a lightning, a lightning bolt hits a river, and it's amazing the power, what it does to the river. The water, it's almost like somebody chucked in massive, greatly hungry for the amount of water has moved. It's incredible. Wow. See it. Very clever photography as well to capture the lightning strike and then the aftermath because it's absolutely amazing. Uh, There's cave divers that claim they fell to the lightning while they were in the cave, depending on where they were in the cave, how close to the surface and everything. So it's, uh, you know, like. Uh, uh, it is something that for me is always in the back of my mind and especially being in a country that suffers of you know thunderstorms during the summertime yeah. so come out of the water cloud and chain yeah. is not my favorite thing but that is a physical fear but for me it's more the psychological fears of having um, boxed and like i said luckily that has kind of like gone away and uh, maybe it is one of the things that we want to tell the, the women, but also the, guy, the young people that are listening to this, regardless of their gender, is uh, when you follow your, as you're climbing up the hill, you'll find that a lot of people sort of want to pull you down. They are incapable maybe of seeing your dream or incapable of seeing it themselves. And it scares in a certain way that you are trying to go beyond the boundary. And... Uh, it's only when you go on the other side, 20 years later, you know, people start going, oh, wow, you know, like, that was great that you stuck with it, you know, regardless of all the negative that you received, you know, look what you've done for yourself. And what you need to do is make sure that you stick with it, yeah. with what fuels your heart and your passion, uh, regardless of the naysayer around you. Uh, the price that you pay for this is yours and yours only. You need to decide what is worth it or what is not worth it. It's not for anyone else to judge if what yours is have been are worth the price or not. That is for to judge. And the moment you wake up and you say, you know what, this is not worth it anymore, by all don't change because someone else has said, oh, you should get a real job. You should do this. You should do that. When are you going to do that? Yeah, you've got to live by what you stand, you know, by and think anything's possible and give it a go. Give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've mentioned people of the water. Um, so can you tell us a bit more about that and what it involves? Yes. People of the Water, it's a non-profit that I founded in January 2019 under the recommendation of some dear friends in the diving industry uh, because they saw me doing so much work, a non-profit work, uh, using obviously my own time and my own revenue and 
providing all this information, educational, traveling, exploration, the caves, buying gear, materials to do all these things for uh, many other uh, nonprofit organizations. I said, maybe people can support what you're doing uh, by small donations and help you out into furthering what you keep doing mm-hmm. uh, without having to constantly tap into just your own resources, especially now that I have uh, you know, no resources whatsoever and I'm still doing all this work. So that's how it was, it was born. It was born for, for initial help. The future plans is to create, we're working on it, is a, a scholarship. Yeah. Provide actually. Uh, my goal is to to start the first scholarship is going to be for Bahamian young women in the last year of high school who are interested in the marine and science and marine environment. So a small scholarship to maybe complete their open water course or to advance their diving certification, and that's the first scholarship that I created. And hopefully, with time, expand that into scholarships that can be provided for you know more environments but for now it's locally um, for young women here well that's good uh, there's still yeah. quite a lot well a lot of women here don't dive and don't even swim uh, because but quite a lot of cultural also uh, issues and mm. a lot of cultural stigmas and you know like little problems and ideas and so that's just why start locally and then expand internationally yeah, yeah. and you're well. giving something back as well aren't you to yeah what is your home yeah yes Brilliant. Um, so we've got some questions. Okay, we've got five questions that we ask the same questions for our guests, and that'll be something that we'll we'll do as the as we grow the podcast. These questions. So first off, Mark, what dive location is on your wish list? Or I try not to have bucket lists. I try to let something flow to me as it comes like I never thought about the Nalabor Desert when the opportunity rose then I went but if I had to pick I would like to sample few of the caves that are there in the world I've been obsessed with Orda Cave in the Urals in Russia I would like to see Dimolnar Janos Cave in Budapest and for I would love to go to Christmas Island Caves so I know I've listed a lot of caves so there will be <laughs> and, and just to see different environments and experience of different situations i mean the three of them could not be more far apart from environment and location and yeah. and type of thing so that will be the three ones on my list brilliant okay that's great um this might be an easy one to answer but your favorite marine animal and why the octopus yeah. I'm absolutely obsessed. You were expecting the sharks, weren't you? <laughs> the thing is, I have sharks, and I know sharks, and I work with sharks. But like, I'm fascinated with the octopus yeah. and its intelligence and its capability and adaptability and the way it can slither through all the holes and that and and everything else. And then the other one is the jellyfish. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with jellyfish. I read about three or four books about jellyfish because the jellyfish is such an ancient creature it can reproduce itself it never dies unless eaten and it's and it's by definition brainless and spineless which in our culture is basically two words two of the most negative one oh you're brainless and you're spineless right and yet this animal has survived millions and millions of years and let the current ocean drifted and then he still finds the way to go where he's supposed to go and where he's supposed to be has never faced extinction, and it has this incredible adaptability. So I'm obsessed with these two animals, and both of them, if you think about it, they're very malleable, very soft, and very flexible. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm inspired by them because I'm defined as a little bit of a rigid person set in certain ways, and I guess sometimes you arrive where I have arrived because I've been so stubborn in my way and so i'm fascinated by two animals that can just move and and yet still be amazing right and their survivability so yeah. shows me you can do both you can go with a current yeah no that's good and if you could be any animal sea or land what would you be a gorilla <laughs> i will be silverback gorilla i grew up with them when i was in africa first of all i could never be a shark because sharks have to eat fish can't eat fish I would be a gorilla, I'm a vegetarian, sit there. But they have this uh, amazing social structure and this amazing comprehensive capability. And within their own structure, I, I always find them like they're strong, protected, powerful, 
and live in one of the most beautiful environments I ever saw in my life. So yeah. I know you good wouldn't choice. expect a gorilla, right? <laughs> no, but good choice. Um, this is one of my favorite questions, actually, because I think this can also tell you a lot about somebody. So can you name up to three people, past um, or present, who you would choose to dive with or snorkel if they are a non-diver? Um, and, you know, they can be somebody from the history, from the past, from the year dot, or present day. Divers or... Or family member. Or family, yeah. The first one would be Dr. Eugenie Clark. I met her. Uh, she was the first woman and one of the first scientists over 50 years ago to start talking about sharks and shark conservation. She's a PhD in sharks. She created Moto Marine Lab. Um, I had the uh, privilege and offer to meet uh, Jeannie in her late years in the, in, when she had already stopped diving. And although it was a dream come true to be able to sit down at dinner and talk with her and everything, I would love to go diving with her in her heyday as she looked at sharks and see how she looked at sharks through her eyes. That would be my uh, dream come true. The second one would be uh, Shaq Exley. Shaq Exley was one of Shaq Exley. Okay. The forefathers of cave exploration and cave diving. He wrote Blueprint for Survival. He died in 1994 in a record attempt in Mexico, a thousand feet inside a cave. But he wrote Blueprints for Survival. He was a pusher of records. It's not the reason why I would like to dive with him, but it would be interesting to dive with one of the people that started looking into cave diving and see how their thought process went and what they yeah. came up with and why they didn't listen to their... Uh, point of view and the third one will be will have to be Dali Salvador okay yeah I have an absolute obsession with his uh, art exactly yeah well you know it has a three-dimensional art and it has like a two-dimensional art but it definitely had a use of shape forms and colors obviously very modern way but I tried to imagine how he would have been able to portray the underwater world and the sharks and incorporated into his art after seeing yeah I like his art like just yeah, sit there different. and have a conversation with him after we've been in the water with sharks and see how his mind yeah. extruded like sharks yeah. and all those might be my three choices yeah uh, good choices Great actually choices. I like them yeah okay uh what's your favorite piece of dive equipment or kit the one that I need for that moment mm-hmm so if I'm working with sharks and I need the chamber, that will be the chamber <laughs> if I'm collecting data. But um, my staples in my gear that never change, unless I'm free diving, are my fins and my mask. Mm-hmm. And my fins are the Scuba Pro Classic Jet Fin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not a fin that I recommend to everyone, especially beginners. It requires a little bit, but it's an absolute workhorse and it lasts forever and is powerful both with the channel, with the caves, so to go diving, regular diving and guiding. And then is my mask. My mask is a scooper framelit and it has been the best fit, best view. And also, yeah. you really force me into two. Those two are on every dive, yeah. but like that is the only time you might see me without the, that mask and without those fins. Can I just add, uh, just uh, add with that, so do you, is it Scuba Pro uh, regulators you use as well? I use the Scuba Pro regulators, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I use Scuba Pro regulators, fins, mask, and Scuba Pro uh, recreational BCDs. Yeah. Uh, most of my gear I've uh, acquired through the years, I've, I've bought it. I bought it and tried it and then bought something else and tried it and then fell in love with it. Yeah. Uh, in the last few years, I've been recognized by some of these manufacturers and they've helped me a lot. But if any piece of gear that you see me is because I actually first bought it and, and used it. So you'll find that I actually have a, a mix of gear on me. My yeah. wetsuits and dry suits are all waterproof. My rebreather is Kiss. Um, I'm trying to think about some of my undergarments are fourth element, so all the entire range of fourth element. My computers are sheer water. So Quite. if you came into my closet, you'll see like a little bit of different choices. Brilliant. Thanks for that. Thank you very much. And uh, who would you like to see as a guest on the podcast and why? His name is Michael Thomas. Yep. He's in the UK. He's a TDI instructor. He's a cave explorer. He actually learned under Rob Palmer. And uh, 
I think uh, he's the one that took to Wookiee Hall as well as in the dry caves. He's a dry caver, a cave explorer, and is a little bit of a unsung, you know, person into our community. Mm -hmm. I think he's done so much more than uh, some people realize. Maybe the people in his entourage and his friendship uh, uh, realize that. But sometimes even when I see his post or talk to him, I realize, why you did this, you did that. Oh, why you've been here. Oh, you've been there. Oh, you've done this. And I think it would be really amazing to hear from him how much he's done and how much he has accomplished. Um, okay. That would be my thing. So Great contact. And, uh, see if you can come on. Yeah. I can send you his contact if you want, but um, I think it would be very valuable. And he has quite so much knowledge about the UK itself. I and mean, if you want someone to inspire people to dive in the UK, yeah, be good. Yeah. yeah, that'd be brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah, we'll make contact with him. No, that's excellent. Excellent. Great. That's it. But you're not done yet. I can't let you go yet. Because <laughs> you haven't answered that question. What so, was the question? I forgot. So, okay, your, your first day on the island, the Bahamas. You're 20 years old. You, you're, you're back. You just landed. You now walk up to yourself. What's going to be the first, what's going to be that one piece of advice you're going to give yourself? No matter what, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, and it's, it's clear, you know, you wouldn't have done any, anything differently. It's just, you know, you've just lived by your passion, which is, yeah, the best way to be. Yeah, I would have, I would have not done much differently. No. Maybe a few other choices or things like that. But, I, you know, just no matter what, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, I think um, from our, you know, these last uh, few hours that we've been talking, it's very clear from you. Um, and I know our listeners can't see that. Um, it's very clear that you can see the passion and you can see uh, you're very honest how you talk about the, the sharks, cave diving, you know, your whole life experience and stuff like that. And that does come over. Um, and so thank you very much, so much for, you know, coming on and giving us your time um, and to be able to share that with our listeners as, as well. So you know, I've learned as well. Yeah, and for me, for being a, you know, virtual non-diver, then, you know, it kind of inspires me, yeah, to think about, you know, my f journey so far and where I'm going to go. Yeah. yeah. So brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank Please. you. Thank you, Gemma. Thank you, Anne. Brilliant. All right. You're welcome. We'll definitely keep in touch. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Excellent. Thank you very much, Christina. Good to hear from you again. You enjoy that, Joan? Yeah, oh, amazing. Yep, she's total inspiration. Yeah, it is. And uh, three words that I think I will hang on to are explore, educate, and conservation. Definitely. So you'll be seeing that quite quite often. I think on our social media. I think uh, those three words, and uh, which I've learned from Christina. So thank you very much for that. Before we go, um, we've got a really good episode coming up next week. Uh, stick around for that can't really tell you the details of it yet because I'll be giving a bit too much away but we do have a competition people there's competition on our um, on our website there's a noise there's a roar there's sound it's people's interpretation isn't it can you believe that scientists have looked into that and they can't agree on what it is some people say it's mechanical some say it's uh, another animal it's definitely not that sharp but don't know the jury's out. So, you know, there's a really lovely uh, fourth element duffel bag. So, you know, give it a try. All you've got to do is go to our website, thebigscuba.com, have a look on the uh, homepage and go to the bottom, you'll see there's a little video clip. Have yeah. a listen, listen to what's been said, listen to the noise and then email us or send us a message, whatever, doesn't matter but let us know what you think it is. And then the Galapagos the guys are going to be judging what they think is the best answer of what it is. There's no right, there's no wrong answer. We don't, nobody knows for certain. You know, chances are it is the whale shark, but maybe you've got a better idea. Creativeness. It is, it is. So be bold, be strong, let's have your answer and participate. Who knows, you might win and you'll get a really nice, big uh, fourth element duffel bag they're, they're new they're blue and really smart look them up okay uh, apart from that don't forget if you're on our youtube channel 
If you haven't subscribed, please do hit yeah. the old subscribe button, hit the bell, ring the bell, keep up to date with what's coming on. And uh, that way you'll know when we're releasing our videos, which we kind of do nearly every week. So um, there's always something happening. So it's the big show. So apart from that, that's me. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoyed listening to Christine again. Uh, she should be with us shortly. Um, so apart from that, and we've got lots of exciting things coming up, haven't we? Lots of guests. The diary is full. It is. So, um, but if you've got any ideas on guests that you want to think, hey, get them on there. That'd be really good. You know, send it to us. You know, uh, if you've got any questions that you want to ask your dive master about, by all means, fire them in and uh, we'll do our best. If I don't know I'm pretty sure we can find somebody who does. So, uh, exactly. So, use us. All right. Uh, apart of that, I think that's me. Yep. We'll see you on the next episode. Yes. Enjoy. Have a good week. Speak to you soon. Thank you for listening. Bye.